We'll go ahead and have a seat this morning. Thank you for being here. Thank you, worship team, for an incredible time of leading us to the throne today. If you have a copy of God's Word, go ahead and grab it. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 4, the Gospel of Luke in chapter 4, wrapping up a chapter today. Did you have a good spring break? Yeah? Okay, great. Uh, apparently not. Uh, <laughs> I know that uh, spring break is one of those things that I always look forward to. I remember uh, being in that first year that I was out of college. I, I always loved spring break. And as spring break was coming up, I remember being like, oh, yeah, spring break's coming. And then having that awkward moment of realization when I was like, I don't get spring break anymore, right? Like, it's like, come on, man, this is a, this is, should, you know, I guess I knew I didn't deserve it or, you know, expect it, but, uh, it was kind of a weird transition to not have that spring break. But I know that uh, a lot of you are teachers, faculty, administrators of school, and I know students enjoyed that week and had a good time. And, uh, I know that several parents enjoyed it, yet I also have heard a few parents say that they're glad it's over. Don't know what that's about, kiddos, alright? But, uh, anyways. Uh, spring break is a great thing. In fact, I want to tell you this morning, whether you know it or not, that spring break is actually biblical. Okay, hang on with me for a second. Don't don't give up on me. Spring break is biblical. Did you know that the Bible intentionally and consistently will point us as the people of God to times for specific rest and refreshment in him? Times that we are to go away and be with him and be refreshed. In fact, in the first few pages of the Bible... God institutes what we call the Sabbath, and the Sabbath was literally a day that God created for rest, specifically rest through worship, that when we unplug from the ordinary and plug into the things of God, that he refreshes our hearts and does a work in us. So there are times that it is more than appropriate for us to kind of disconnect from our everyday and instead spend time with God, but what you need to know is that that's not just a once a year thing like spring break. In fact, it's not even really a once a week thing like the Sabbath, but we need daily to have time where we spend time alone with God. We're going to see Jesus modeling that for us in the passage we're studying today. A very simple yet powerful passage. After a couple of weeks that have been kind of full of content and information, we talked about Jesus and demons last week. You missed a crazy one, right? So uh, if you weren't here last week, it, that's available if you want to go online and catch up on that. But we've had a couple of weeks with a lot of content and maybe even some new teaching and new information. But today, I'm just going to level with you right now. This is not going to be probably anything new. In fact, this is a very basic and plain, straightforward message Yet, haven't you noticed in your life that sometimes those are the things we struggle with the most? The, the ordinary things that we know we need to be doing if we want to have a thriving relationship with Christ, sometimes those are the things that are a struggle for us. So I'm excited to see what God will do as we think about the importance of withdrawing to be alone with God. And it's interesting that we're here today in this text as we've just been walking through Luke because actually today... Immediately following the service, my family and I are loading up and going away for a few days for this express purpose. As your lead pastor, I'm very blessed to have a couple of times a year that, that I have uh, some days away that are not really vacation days, but rather they are a study week, and that's what I'm going to be doing this week. I'm excited. We're uh, going down, and when I say excited, you also need to know that I'm also scared because we have a nine-hour car ride with three kids, so... If you're the praying kind, uh, pray for me. And if you want to donate some Benadryl to the cause, uh, wait, sorry, I was just, it's too much. Okay, parents are hearing me. All right. 
but we're going to have a good time and my family is going. And we are multitasking during the day. I'm going to be meeting with some pastors and encouraging them and being encouraged by them. I've got some places I'm going to be able to go during the day to spend some time with God and do some future planning for our church. But in the evenings, we will be able to get to see some friends and family that we haven't seen in several months. So we're excited for the opportunity to do that. And I want you just to be praying for us as we go. Uh, pray for refreshed spirits and revived hearts. I, I want to lead this church well. But I know the only way to lead this church well is to lead as the Apostle Paul did. You know, he said, follow me as I follow Christ. So I'm going to take a few days just to seek the Lord and seek his direction for our church families. We continue to move forward together. But I bring that up not just for your information, but also just because I know that I'm very blessed to have this opportunity. So most of you, in fact, maybe I could even pretty safely say all of you, your work doesn't say, hey, I'm going to give you a week or two a year just to go away and spend time with God. Right. Like I recognize that that is a great blessing that I have, but here's what I also recognize is that in not so many days, I will be back and right back in the middle of the craziness again. And the reality is God hasn't just designed a few days here and there for us to spend time with him. What I want us to see today is how do we spend time with God in the middle of our everyday lives? How do we interact and spend time alone with God right in the middle of the mess? Because this is what we need, isn't it? This is really what we need to know is how do we spend time with God on a day in, day out basis. So let's read this text, just a few verses today, and we're going to ask the Lord to help us see what it means to unplug from the ordinary and plug into the extraordinary. So verse 42 of Luke 4, the word of God says this, and when it was day, he departed, talking about Jesus, and went into a desolate place, and the people sought him and came to him. And would have kept him from leaving them. But he said to them, I must preach the good news of the kingdom of God to the other towns as well. For I was sent for this purpose. And he was preaching in the synagogues of Judea. Let's pray again. Lord, as we open your word, we ask that you would do what only you can do. And that speak to our hearts. Challenge us and change us. Mold and shape us into a people who are not shaped by the craziness of the world and the busyness of our schedules, but, Lord, may we be a people who are literally shaped by your presence. Thank you for what you're going to do in this time. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Well, we're wrapping up this chapter today. If you've been hanging out with us for the last several weeks, we have been blowing through the Gospel of Luke. It's taken us a little while to get through Luke 4, but God's been teaching us so many things. The primary thing that we've seen, though, in this chapter is that Jesus, from the very beginning of his ministry, is being led by the Holy Spirit. He's being led by the Holy Spirit, and that's how he's able to resist temptation. Verse 14 tells us he's able to begin his ministry by the power of the Holy Spirit. We see him preaching the Old Testament, preaching the word through the influence and power of the Holy Spirit. We see him casting out demons and sickness through the power of the Holy Spirit. So we've been seeing this recurring theme that we need to be dependent upon the Holy Spirit of God. And now in these last three verses here in Luke 4... I believe that Luke kind of pulls back the curtain for us and allows us to see the secret behind the ministry of Jesus. You know, if we're not careful, we read this and we're like, oh, I mean, well, he was Jesus, so I get it. Like, But the reality is Jesus modeled a radical dependence on God. 
And I believe that the reason Jesus was able to withstand in these moments, the reason his ministry was so powerful, was because of what we see here in these verses. Have you ever seen somebody do something amazing or or somebody that possessed a really incredible skill and you wondered, how in the world do they do that? I remember being a a little kid. I don't remember how old, probably like eight or ten. And I I went to the pond beside our house and uh, speaking of desolate places. So I'm throwing the the rod, you know, not literally throwing the rod out there, but I'm casting out and I'm, uh, you know, reeling it in. And I spent a long time out there. And I mean, I didn't catch anything. And I was getting see some of you may be into fishing. I'm more into catching. Okay, you know what I'm talking about? Like some of you are with me. It's like after a little while, it's like, all right, this is a whooping. Okay, so uh, so I. I was out there, wasn't catching anything, and I'll never forget Dad rolling out on the four-wheeler. He jumps off, and he says, here, let me see. And he throws it out there, and as he's reeling in, bam, he lands a fish. Now, like a mature person might would be like, wow, that's really cool, Dad. But the immature Rusty, and I might still do, do this today at 32 years old for the record, I'm like, what? How did that happen? I've been out here all this time, and I didn't catch anything. And on the first try, you caught something. Well, how did that happen? Was there some luck involved? Yes. If you're watching the live feed, Dad, you got totally lucky, okay? But here's the reality, right? He had probably two or three or four, I don't know how much older he is than me, decades on me, okay, of experience. So he knew where to cast. He he knew how to reel in at the proper speed with the lure that was in the water. and, And he knew all the things he needed to do to give himself the best chance to catch a fish, I feel like in my life, spiritually, a lot of times I look like a little kid trying to use a rod and reel. I'm just kind of flailing it out there and I I wait until I'm in the middle of a bad situation or I'm in a real bad bind and that's when I'm calling out to the Lord and I depend, I'm real good at depending on the spirit when things get really bad. Anybody else? Like that's, that's when I come in clutch when it comes to depending on the Lord is when I can't do it anymore. So that was the situation that I think I find myself in so much. And the reality is when we do that, isn't our God so gracious that he is still a very present help in trouble, even when we've been kind of crazy and doing our own thing? God is so gracious to us. But I believe what we see modeled here, that Jesus, as he's going into these situations, as he's relying on the Holy Spirit, that the reason he is able to and his constant connection is displayed because of glimpses we get right here in this text. In fact, the glimpse we just see here is very common in the New Testament Gospels. We see all kinds of different things happening. We see people who are in the middle of uh, these moments where they are uh, trying to get Jesus to come help them, trying to get Jesus to do something, but instead Jesus says, no, I have to do this. In fact, here's what I want to do. If you have a study guide, you may see this. If you don't have a study guide, you can look on the app or you'll see on the screens. I want to take you over a flyover of the New Testament Gospels and see how many times we mention and see Jesus praying. So Jesus' dependence on God was one of the hallmark of his ministry. So let's just walk through these. We'll see them on the screen. In Luke 3.21, Jesus prays after his baptism. In Matthew 14.23, we see that Jesus goes alone to pray. In Mark 6.46, Jesus goes up the mountain to pray. Here in Luke 4, Jesus is going to pray. In Luke 5, we're going to see this in a couple weeks, we're told he often went to be alone and pray. Luke 6, we're going to see the exact same thing. Jesus goes up on the mountain to pray. In Mark 1, Jesus goes to be alone to pray. Are you seeing a pattern happen here? Okay. 
Matthew 26, we see Jesus going alone to pray in the Garden of Gethsemane. And Luke 11, this is one of my favorites. The disciples hear Jesus praying. And when Jesus gets done praying, uh, they say, how did you do that? And I love this because all throughout the Gospels, we see Jesus doing a lot of amazing things, don't we? He's healing people, people being raised from the dead. He's multiplying food. Yet the disciples never say, hey, show us how to do that. But when they see the connection that Jesus had with his heavenly father, they're like, we got to get in on that. How do you do that? In John 17, we see Jesus praying over his disciples. And even Jesus is praying for us in John 17. That's an epic passage you may want to go look at later. But it's evident that that is the overflow of his private prayer life. There are a lot of other verses. I could do this the entire time and just show you verses and be like, see, 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 but we're not going to do that. I would maybe encourage you to do that. It's a worthy study as we think about what it means to pray. But it is evident that Jesus is modeling a life of prayer for us. Now, you may be like me and kind of be that person who asks questions like this, but we've been saying for several weeks that Jesus is fully God and fully man. Jesus is God. So if Jesus is God, then why is he praying to God? Now, you all expect me to have a really philosophical, theological, great answer right now, don't you? I don't know. Okay, there you go. All right. Uh, But here's what I think is happening here that that we do need to notice. I truly believe that the, the reason this is here and the reason we see this so much is that Jesus wanted to model for us utter and complete dependence on the Holy Spirit. And listen to me, y'all. If Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the one who the Bible says right now is holding the universe together by the word of his immovable power, with his word, he's holding all this together, the one who created the heavens and the earth and everything in it, if Jesus Christ needed to have a continual, ongoing connection with God, what in the world makes you and me think we're okay without it? Now, here's the reality. None of us would say, no, nah, I'm good. I don't need it. Right? Like nobody, you all passed that test. I'm like, who needs prayer today? All of us are going to say yes. But let me just ask you real quick. How's your prayer life? How much do you earnestly, sincerely seek God? I've met very few Christians who would say they're satisfied with their time with God. I feel like many people struggle in this area, so it's good that we have come here today, that the Word has led us to this place where we can ask God what it looks like to spend time with Him. So that's what we're going to talk about today is practicing the presence of God. Practicing the presence of God. What does it mean to follow the example of Jesus? How can we walk in such a way that every single moment of every single day is changed because of our time with God? If we're going to reach, teach, live and love like Jesus, I'm convinced that it starts here with our individual daily walk with Christ. So let me just say right now, this is not going to be the be all end all message of how we spend time with God. Uh, I actually think that every single one of my sermons ever preached and that I ever will preach are probably just like one part of an eternal series about what it means to walk with Jesus. But this is an important reminder of our first step. This is where we start. How do we practice the presence of God? Well, first, I want us to see Luke's intentional language about unplugging from the ordinary, unplugging from the ordinary. Jesus, the text says, departs. Some of these other passages we referenced said that Jesus withdrew. These are intentional words that denote a shift in physical location. 
Jesus was literally moving to a place that provided opportunity for intense focus upon God and his presence. Some of you would say, well, Rusty, we live in Kansas, so you're not going to be heading up a mountain anytime soon. And that is certainly true. But I want to point out a very practical truth and a spiritual truth here when we think about unplugging from the ordinary. First, let's just get really practical. You need to have a quiet time and a quiet place. You need to have a quiet time and a quiet place. Now, it seems almost dumb for me to have to stop down and talk about this because you're like, well, obviously, if you're going to spend time with God, you need a quiet time and a quiet place. But the reality is it's getting increasingly difficult to find those in our world, isn't it? And if we're honest, we tend to run from those. You and I are fortunate enough that right now we have a device in our pocket that stops us from having any quiet and stillness in our lives. And if you're like me, sometimes when it gets awkward and quiet and still, you're reaching for that phone. And we're so connected in our world today. I mean, literally, I forgot to turn my iPad on airplane mode a minute ago. And uh, I do have family watching because my brother texted me and he was like, no, it was dad just knows what he's doing fishing. And I'm like, what are you doing right now? I'm trying to preach. So shout out to you. Leave me alone, man. I got work to do. Yeah, I worked that in. But aren't we so crazy and radically connected today? I mean, that's pretty astounding. Like this whole bit, if you could get someone in a time machine from 20 years ago and let them see that moment, they're going to be like, wait, what? We're so connected today, and we tend to not want to get disconnected. We don't want to get unplugged. We don't want to move away from that. So why do I even bring that up? I'm not trying to make fun of technology and make fun of all the blessings that we have of being connected, but here's why I bring that up. At this point in the message, some of you are already at the point where you are saying in your head and your heart, well, yeah, Rusty, I get that, but I'm just crazy busy. And you don't know, the kids at my house, it's just impossible. Work right now is just too hard. I can't spend time away. I can't really unplug, but, but let me just lovingly push back on that this morning. Because here's the truth. I know we have time because I've seen your social media posts. I've had conversations with you about politics or sports. And, you know, you're usually wrong, but that's okay too, right? Just trying to have grace. The reason I say that is because I know, just like me, if you think you're crazy busy, which most of us in our culture are today, We do still have margin in our lives, don't we? So the reality is, what are we doing with that margin? What are we using that precious time that we have? Are are we using it for ourselves? Are we wasting it? Are we spending time with Almighty God? If we are going to practice the presence of God, we must intentionally set aside some time to unplug from all the crazy and set aside intentional time and an intentional place for God's presence. Now, I want you to hear what I'm about to say. This practical advice is exactly that. It's Pastor Rusty's practical advice. That sounds like a newspaper column or something, okay? This is not a biblical command, but I do think just something real practical to encourage you to do is set a specific time and a specific place to spend time with God. I don't know what that is for you, but some of you know I'm kind of a nerd. I I like reading self-improvement books and uh, neuroscience books, habit formation books, lots of great stuff. I enjoy reading that kind of thing. This is pretty much even science will tell you that if you want to establish something in your life, make it part of your routine. 
So I want to encourage you to, to have a time that you do that. Now, I, I know some of you, again, don't email me and say, well, you don't understand. I, I, that's okay. This isn't a biblical command. But I want to encourage you, if you want to make this part of your life, make this part of your routine. And even maybe finding a place that this is the place where I spend time with God. I've got a friend, their time and place is every single day at lunch. They get lunch to go and they sit in their truck and they have time with God because work is too crazy and wild and that's the best time. It's an alone time and that's when he spends time with God. I know people who get up a little bit earlier so they can have time with God. I know people who stay up later to spend time with God. I don't know what that is for you, but I do know that it is important to set aside a time and find a quiet place to spend time with God. So This is a real practical truth, but there's also a very important spiritual truth for us to consider. Where do we go to spend time with God? Well, we just said a quiet place physically, but where do we go spiritually to spend time with God? Well, we go to the word of God. We go to the word of God. We unplug from the ordinary by taking time to intentionally read God's word. I know some of you may be thinking, Rusty, you are... Uh, a Bible preaching guy, and I don't see anything about the Bible in this text. It doesn't say that Jesus drug a scroll up the mountain with them or anything like that. So where are you getting this? Well, let me remind you, first of all, that Jesus is God, and Jesus is full of grace and full of truth. In fact, let's just say it this way. Jesus wrote the Bible, okay, through the, the Trinity. He is inspiring the written scripture. So Jesus is full of truth. And this is where another important reminder, you're not Jesus. Some of you need to hear that today, right? You're not Jesus. You are not full of truth upon your own. In fact, the Bible says this, that the heart is deceitful and wicked above all things. Who can understand it? It's a question the Bible asks. So if you're looking within yourself to find your truth, good luck with that. If we want truth, we've got to start with the word of God. Prayer is not simply a time of meditation wherein we look into our hearts to find peace and hope. No, instead, prayer and the Bible, prayer and the word of God go hand in hand for the believer. When we read God's word, God is literally speaking to us. You want to transform your Bible reading time? When you open your Bible, whether that's in the morning, this evening, this afternoon, whenever that is for you, when you open the Bible, take a minute and just take a breath and and realize God is about to speak to me. I'm about to have a conversation with God. Yeah, sometimes you'll be in the middle of Isaiah and you're like, what are you saying, God? I don't understand you, right? But it is worth digging into. It is worth studying. It is worth considering and spending time with the word of God. Because when we do God himself, the voice of God is loud and clear in our lives when we're spending time in his word. But here's the crazy part of this to me. Honestly, like if God had just given us the Bible, that would probably be enough for me. If God had given us his complete word and said, this is my truth. Go and do it. I think that would have been enough for me. But not only does God speak to us, but this is not a one-way conversation. The God of all the universe, the God who we said earlier created the world and everything in it, and is holding it together by the word of his immovable power, that same God says, hey, pull up a seat. Share your heart with me. Communicate with me. Have a real relationship with me. So we let God speak to us through his word, and then we respond in prayer by sharing our heart with God. 
It's an incredible blessing. God gives us an opportunity to talk to him. We listen through his word and we respond in prayer. As we think about unplugging from the ordinary, this is what we're talking about, having a specific time and place to spend time with God. And we do that by reading the word and by speaking to him in prayer. Just a quick warning for you. This sounds really good, but it is a lot harder to do than it sounds. It's kind of like, you know, the old classic, I've started a billion diets on Monday, right? You've been there? There have been a lot of times where spiritually I'm like, you know what? I'm about to start killing this whole devotional life thing. It's going to be great. Probably going to end up writing a book about this later. It's going to be that great of an experience. Like three days in, it's over. Have you been there? I I can just tell you there are times where I've gotten up early and like I'm going to spend time with God. And about the time I'm getting that first cup of coffee and get my Bible in my lap, I hear the most terrifying sound in all of the world. It's the pitter-patter of toddler feet coming down the hallway. And then I'm like, Lord, how am I supposed to spend time with you when I'm angry at my three-year-old? You know, that's when you have those, those uh, not-so-great dad moments. You're like, I'm trying to spend time with God. Go back to bed. You know, it's like, whoa, easy, Dad. I'm like, all right, uh, got to get up earlier tomorrow. I need more time, clearly. Some of you may be past the stage of having kiddos at home. Have you had the moment where you're opening the word and you're like, I'm going to spend some time in the word. And all of a sudden, the, the craziest things in the world that you need to do flood to your mind. Uh, earlier, someone was like, yeah, sometimes I've got to go clean the oven. And it's like, what are you talking about? But that, I've had that. I'm like, you know, I mean, have I taken the trash out yet? I just, can I just tell you, never is that a question in my heart unless I'm trying to do something for the Lord. Okay. Uh, or maybe God's just answering Mallory's prayers. I don't really know. But. What I do know is that it seems like the whole world comes against our time with God. And if you commit to spend time with God, the entire world seemingly will come against that. We see that happen to Jesus here. The disciples come looking for him and they basically say, hey, man, everybody's looking for you. What are you doing? Luke said that they really didn't want him to leave Capernaum because he was doing good things. In fact, notice that these were very good things. It's not like they said, hey, let's go catch a movie and get some coffee later. No, they're like, hey, people need to be healed. People want to hear the preaching and teaching. The crowds want you. Like, these are all good things. But what does Jesus say? He goes, I must preach the good news to other towns as well. Notice what's happening. Don't miss this. Jesus unplugs from the ordinary to spend time with God. And what happens? He ends up plugging into the mission that God had for him. The disciples come and say, hey, man, we got a lot of things we got to do. And Jesus says, no, this is what I must do. Fulfill the purpose and mission to which I've been called. I think this is so instructive for us today. In a world that is full of things that are vying for our attention and competing for our affection and our time and our energy and our passion, it seems like everything in the world is pulling for those things. This is what happens when we unplug from the ordinary to spend time with God. We get plugged into the mission. We get plugged into the mission. When we unplug from the ordinary to spend time with God, we get plugged into the mission. The first message that I ever preached here at Crossroad, all of those months ago now, it's it's not weeks. I used to say all those weeks ago, like we're into some months now, y'all. God's been good to us. We looked at Acts 2. I'm sure you remember that. I'm sure it's written on your heart. Uh, Okay, I'm not going to make you uh, repeat what I said then. 
uh, hey, listen, preacher, preacher life for real. Like there are times where I'll be like, hey, y'all remember what we did last week, right? And I can just like see the panic. Like, is he going to wait till we say it? Right. Uh, so uh, I know that you may not remember this, but here's what we did that day. We talked about Acts 2. And we said that God has given us a mission to reach, teach, live, and love like Jesus. And this is what we said. We will not fulfill the mission unless we are committed personally to a daily walk with Christ. Acts 2 said we needed to be devoted to the Word of God. We need to be devoted to fellowship. That's walking with other believers. You're called to follow Jesus with fellow believers. And then the third thing we said, be devoted to prayer. And we said that our mission flows from our daily commitment to Christ. I'm utterly convinced that if God is going to use us, it's going to start with people who are committed to Jesus. Who are committed to unplugging from the ordinary and plugging into the extraordinary so that we can do extraordinary things for his kingdom. I want to see God do incredible things in and through this church. I want to see us grow deeper. I want to see us making disciples who make disciples. I want to see us growing in numbers, not because we want a big church, but because we want to see people coming to know Christ. I want to see God do a work here that is unexplainable by any human effort. But I want to just confess to you, I had one of those weird kind of God moments this week. where I woke up in the middle of the night and I was just, you know, thinking about church, thinking about plans for the future, uh, thinking about just so many things and just started praying and saying, God, uh, show me how to lead this church well. Show me what I need to do. What can we do to continue to fulfill this mission? How can we reach this neighborhood? How can we change this city for your glory? How can we? And I'm just praying and seeking the Lord and just asking him all these things. And I feel like in that moment, God just reminded me of this message I was preparing and said, hey, uh, Rusty, it starts with spending time with me. I recognize that I pray a lot, but you know what my prayer usually is? Hey, God, help me do me. (laughs) Hey, God, here's my list today. Hook a brother up. I've been pretty good. I mean, I'm going to church. I'm tithing. You know, come on. Here's my wish list. Make it happen. And I've been going to God and saying, God, help our church. Help us do what we, instead of saying, God, make us who you want us to be. I've been trying to bend the will of God to me instead of saying, God, conform my will to your will. Make me who you want me to be. Make my family who you want my family to be. Make this church who you want it to be. We don't care about anything else. See, if we're not careful, we get consumed with the mission instead of the Savior. And if you don't start with the Savior, you will never fulfill the mission. We want to be a church that is on the go. We want to be a church that God is using to do incredible things. But listen to me, Crossroad. It starts with you and me. Intentionally, consistently, daily unplugging from the ordinary. And plugging into the power and presence of God through reading the word through responding to him in prayer, so that he can mold and shape you and I until we are vessels who are ready to accomplish his mission. This is the call. This is the invitation. I told you this was a simple message. Where do we go from here? This is what I want you to do this week. Spend some time with Jesus. Let him mold and shape you. And as he molds and shapes you, 
be ready because he's going to plug us into his mission and let us be a people who reach, teach, live and love like him in ways that we have never experienced before. Will you pray with me? Lord Jesus, even right now, we are humbled by the fact that we can speak to you. May we not take for granted your power and your presence in our lives. God, I just pray for the individuals and the families that make up the body of Christ at Crossroad. Lord, would you, by your power and presence, mold and shape us into a people who are ready to fulfill your mission. We don't want to get ahead of you or behind you. We want to be right where you want us to be. So God, I pray that you would show us your direction for our lives and for our church. I pray for every single person under the sound of my voice, those who are here, those watching online. God, I just ask that you would help us to make this commitment to unplug from the daily craziness of life and connect with you. God, we recognize that the world's crazy busy. Yet, Lord, I believe that we're too busy to not spend time with you. Because this world is crazy, it's, it's as important as ever that we connect with you and spend time with you. So, Lord, help us to do that. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your presence.